Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that by your spirit, you bring us right back to where all this was happening and you teach us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 43. And starting at verse 14, 43, 14. And the men took that present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time we are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall or roll upon us and take us for bondmen and for and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. And it came to pass when we came to the inn that we opened our sacks and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack. Our money is full weight, and we brought it again into our hand. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he said, peace be to you, and fear not. Your God and the God of your fathers hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph came at noon, for they heard that he should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand to the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? They answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste. His bowels did yearn upon his brother. He sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. He washed his face, went out, refrained himself, and said, Set on bread. And they set on for him by himself and for them by themselves, for the Egyptians, which which did eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews. That's an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled one at another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. Okay, now in our last study, remember now we saw in verse 15 how when the brothers here had arrived back in Egypt, which is where we are, that they hoped that that was going to be the shortest trip to Egypt possible, 
And they found themselves, though, in short order, standing right in front of the worst person they could have stood in front of, the governor of the land, who they didn't know was Joseph. And we saw in verse 16 how Joseph, he had this eagle eye. He was looking over his brothers. He was looking for Benjamin. And when he saw Benjamin, he immediately ordered the ruler of his house to bring the men home, make lunch ready for them, and then he went off to work. And we saw how that was very wise for Joseph because that just gave him time to draw back, pull back, and don't let his emotions run wild and fly while he just collected himself before the Lord so that he was sure he had the mind of God. He was going to say what God wanted him to say. He was going to do what God wanted him to do. And that his emotions being so high at this point were a potential obstacle to that. So then we saw this ruler of Joseph's house, and that's who we're going to focus on. Perfect obedience here. He was just a wonderful man. It says that, notice in verse 17, the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. So here the brothers are. They're being brought to Joseph's house, and they're just petrified with fear. They are so afraid. Why? Because they're 100% certain that this is a big setup, that they're just going to be brought in there and accused of not paying for the original uh, the original payment for the corn, which they took off some time ago, and that they thought this was going to be the end for them. And so now in verse 19, these men look for someone to help them. And they find the steward. There he is, his steward, who is the same as the ruler of the house that Joseph gave all the orders to. Now, in the King James Bible, both verses in verses 17 and 18 says that the brothers were brought into Joseph's house. But that's not what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew says that the brothers were brought to Joseph's house, not into Joseph's house. And that's an important distinction. Why? Because of verse 19. What is it about verse 19 that tells you it's very important that you have to know that they weren't brought into the house? Where did the brothers talk with the steward of the house? And the door, at the door, the door of the house. So the brothers are so afraid that they're being brought down to Joseph's house there, that the brothers have just put the brakes on, and they've come to a screeching halt, and they're saying, we ain't going in that place. (laughs) We ain't going in there. Something really bad's going to happen if we go in there. And so right outside the door, the men give this address in verse 20, where they said, and they said, oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. Those words, oh, sir, That tells you the story here. They're just begging this steward to please, please, please hear us out. And they're trying to put on their most honest, transparent, open face that they could muster up. You know, just going to be completely open. That's a switch. Anyway, so they're so sure that once inside that house, they're going to be accused, tried, found guilty, and sent off for execution. So before they take one step into that house, they mount this most detailed, elaborate defense where they explain exactly what happened and how they found the money. So, But before they give this detailed explanation, they start out with the verdict. (laughs) They start out with the conclusion by saying, we're innocent. We're innocent of the accusation of being spies. You You see, he says in verse 20, they said, oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first to buy food. So here again, when they say this word indeed, they're saying, you've got to believe us about this. 
They, they, we came here for no other reason than to buy food. We didn't come down here to spy out the land. We didn't come down to see the nakedness of the land. We just came down here to buy food, and that's the honest truth. Now, <laughs> when they said indeed, they were saying again to the steward, we're telling you the truth, because on the first trip, they were accused of not telling the truth, and they were accused of lying, and so they say this word indeed, as if to say, we are true men, because that was their claim the first time. So the steward, he's really being leaned on at this door. Now, without even giving the steward a chance to say anything, the brothers launch into their story of what happened, which is verse 21. And it came to pass when we came to the inn that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight, and we have brought it again in our hand. So they start off their story. You know, this is the story, and we're stuck with it, right? They start off with this story, and they say, and it came to pass. They're really good at this, you know, and it came to pass. They're saying, what does that mean? It came to pass. That means we don't have any explanation how our money ended up in our sacks. This was just a big, and it came to pass. Just like it came to pass that we found this coat all ripped up here in the field. We don't know what happened, you know, and and we don't know what happened. And uh, it was just a total, it came to pass situation. We can't give you any explanation for it. It's just one of those that came to pass moments in life. That's all. And this is so much like when the brothers were explaining to their father what happened when they came down to Egypt. You remember in that previous chapter, verse 29, Genesis 42, 29, when they, they used that one word and says, they came unto Jacob, their father, unto the land of Canaan, and told him all that befell unto them. So again, they're telling, just like they told their father, they're saying, these things just fall out of the sky to us for no reason. We don't know what's going on. Now, notice carefully the explanation that they told the steward. They said, in verse 21, they said they came to the inn. Notice what it says. When we came to the inn, that we opened our sacks. And behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sacks, our money in full weight, and we have brought it again to our hand. Is that what happened? That's not exactly the truth, is it? That's not exactly what happened. It didn't happen when we came to the inn that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man said, well, what? we need a little fact check here. <laughs> what actually did happen? One sack was open, and they found the money, right? And it's what it says there in uh, the previous chapter, 4227, 4227, as one of them opened his sack to give his ass prebender in the inn, he espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack. See, one of them, just one of them, and he said unto his brethren, my money is restored, and lo, it's even in the sack, and their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, what is this that God has done to us? So only one, only one. So when did the other brothers actually discover that the money was in their sacks? When they got home and they, un- and they poured out their sacks, that's when they found it. That was in verse 35 of the previous chapter, 42-35. It came to pass as they, as they emptied their sacks, that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. When both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. So the truth that only one of them discovered his money in his sack back in the inn and that the rest discovered their money when they were back home, that wasn't told to the steward. The steward was told 
in verse 21, we all came to the inn, we all opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the sack. I mean, they're having a little trouble with the truth here. You know, it's a little, little trouble here because that we part was wrong. That we part about of us all finding our money in the sack, that was a lie. That was a lie. They lied to the steward. Now, when your life is on the line because you're being accused of lying about being a spy or coming down to buy food, it's not really a good idea to be doing other lies, is it? I mean, because, you know, because when you're being accused of being a liar, should you really tell a lie about how you found the money? Is that a good idea? That's not a good idea, right? And, and notice in verse 21 that they really made this lie believable. They used the word behold. They say, well, you know, it came to pass. Yeah, whoa. Open our, behold, every man's money was in the sack. Our money, full weight. So they tell this lie with real theatrics here. I mean, we were just minding our own business when we opened our sacks and boy, whoa, shazam, behold, we were surprised, shocked. We found our money there. They painted this with such a realistic picture that every you could see every man opening his sack in the inn. And when they said, behold, they're just so shocked. And then they get the picture like, and every man sat down at the inn there and he just weighed out his money. Whoa, it was the exact same amount. Our money in full weight, they said. They paint this picture of the so carefully. They're so good, they could have won the Academy Award for Best Actors. <laughs> now, for them to tell this lie was really dangerous because if they got telling this lie that they found their money then, then nothing they said would be believed. But it's very clear that they had all rehearsed this. There was no hesitation. Everybody was on board. Everybody knew their lines perfectly because their lives were on the line for being spies. So they really had to have a good reason to tell this lie. I mean, it seems so trivial. I mean, what difference does it make where and when you found the money in each man's sack? There's got to be a really good reason behind this. There's got to be a really good reason for them to risk so much for something that seems so unimportant. I mean, what difference does it make? You know, if, if they just told the truth of how each man found his money. So what do you think the reason was? that they thought that they should risk their lives by telling this lie. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> what did their father say when he saw each man's money in the sack? Let's go back to the truth. The truth, when their father saw each man's money in the sack, that would be in verse 46, Genesis 42, 46. What did he say? Look at the right verse. <laughs> Look at Genesis 42, 36, and tell me what did he say when they all saw the money was in the sack? What did he say? Yeah, okay. So he says, when the money falls out on the floor there, he says, me, have you bereaved of my children? Joseph is not. That's what he said. Now, when they discovered each man's money in the sack way back home, their father blamed them for Joseph's disappearance. That's an inconvenient truth right now. That's an inconvenient truth about what their father said when he saw the money in each person's act there. Their father's statement about how they were responsible for Joseph's disappearance was something that it's not a good idea for that to come up now in, in Egypt. 
And if they had told the truth about discovering the money in the sacks back home with their father, the next question would might have been, what did your father say? <laughs> and then they would have had to come up with another lie. I mean, they're not going to sit there and say, he blamed us for our brother's disappearance. And, <laughs> and that could lead to, oh, really? <laughs> tell me, tell me about your father's accusation about you doing away with your brother. What really did happen to your brother? <laughs> Why would your father accuse you of getting rid of your brother? They don't want to go there. They didn't want any of that to come up. So that was the question they were so afraid of having to answer. What did you do with your brother? And so they didn't want that to even get close to, to the, we sold him as a slave to Egypt. Shut up. You know, <laughs> they didn't want to get there. So the best course for them, they think, we'll just lie about it all. We'll just say, we discovered it back there at the inn. Now, we understand why these brothers rehearsed and rehearsed this lie about where each man found his money. It was because these brothers were under a lot of pressure. They were under a lot of pressure, and it was coming from many sides, this pressure. I mean, the first side that this was coming from was the governor of the land. That was the immediate pressure, and it, they didn't know it was Joseph. And, but he was putting a lot of pressure on them by accusing them of being liars and really being spies. And so, well, they had a story and about Joseph. They just said, well, he's not. And then they had another pressure from Jacob. And he's putting a lot of pressure on them for being liars because he, about what really did happen to Joseph, he just didn't buy their story about the wild beast supposedly killing Joseph. And then they had a third pressure coming on. And that was the pressure of their own consciences about Joseph. And that pressure from the consciences is seen in uh, Genesis 42.21, the previous chapter, 42.21, where it says, they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning, see, they said one to another, this is going on back and forth between the brothers, where they said, we are verily guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. That's the pressure from their own conscience. It's exhausting to try to silence the conscience. But the worst pressure come from the side of God. That's God. And God is just like they said, he's just not letting us get away with it. This was over 20 years ago. This was like, I forgot, 22, 23 years ago. It was a long time ago. And they're just getting exhausted under all this pressure, but especially they're getting exhausted by refusing to acknowledge God had a hold of them and wasn't going to let them go. You know, it's interesting about all these verses we read that apart from that one back there in the previous chapter, they don't, God's not mentioned. Well, no, we don't want to talk about God. But God is becoming more and more obvious to them that he's behind all these troubles. And finally, it's coming when Judah is going to finally break and crack under all the pressure in the next chapter, in chapter 44, 16, Genesis 44, 16, where it says, and Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and also with whom the cup is found. It's just so amazing that Judah says, God has found out the iniquity of his servants. I mean, man in his blind state thinks that God can't see me. God can't see me in my sins. Like Adam, I can hide behind this tree and God doesn't see me. <laughs> so when we see these brothers under all this pressure, it shows us how sin is very oppressive. 
it's so hard to keep up all these front of lies and act as though I'm a good person. I'm a good person. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. This is the way of the transgressor under all this pressure trying to keep this whole front of lies up. It's so easy for us to fall into this trap of covering the sin, running, and the pressure only gets worse and worse as we see here in the example of these brothers as they just lie, tell one lie after another to try to run from one pressure to another. So much better to stop running and just surrender with confession and repentance. So much easier to say, Lord, please forgive me, especially when I think foolish thoughts. Lord, I'm thinking thoughts of anger. I'm thinking thoughts of revenge. I'm thinking thoughts of lust. Please forgive me because I know Proverbs 24, 9 says, the thought of foolishness is sin. And those are the thoughts, the anger, the revenge, the lust, that are like the sins that have to be confessed. They have to be brought under the 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9 umbrella of, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so now they give this very detailed explanation of what happened, that that's our story and we're sticking to it. And they finish again with the conclusion in verse 21. Again, they say, you know, we're innocent. And furthermore, they again say, and we have brought it again in our hands, the money. So with that statement in verse the end there, verse 21, where he says, they brought it again in our hands, you know, the money. So they're actually saying, so that's what happens, and it really doesn't matter because we brought the money back. It's in our hands, so just please take the money, and let's pretend this never happened, and we'll all go on with our lives. Now, the question is, why did they tell all this to the steward of the house? Why tell him? Why don't you just wait till the governor comes back when he comes back for lunch? I mean, after all, the steward's not going to make the final decision. The governor will. So the brother is telling all this to the steward. I mean, why not just wait till noon? The steward's coming and tell, tell the top man. And the reason is that they needed favor with the top man. They needed someone to represent them. They could see how much the governor trusted this steward. See that in verse 16 of this chapter, verse 16? When Joseph saw Benjamin, then he said to the ruler of the house, bring this man home, slay, make ready. These men are going to dine with me at noon. And then verse 17, the man did as Joseph bade. So they saw how the, the, the governor had just told him, these men are going to dine with me at noon, and the steward did everything needed. He just flew into action. They knew this steward was in the best position to persuade the governor for them. And so just as these brothers needed an intercessor to represent them to the governor, we need an intercessor to represent us before God the Father. And just as the brothers saw how pleased the governor was with the steward, and therefore they chose the steward to represent him, they chose the steward as their intercessor because they had confidence in the steward. And so the best verses that we have that, that give us confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ as a steward, are these verses like Matthew 3.17. Matthew 3.17, low a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th and Saturday morning, February 10th at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others. Cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at reachisrael.com, reachisrael.com.